all. Um, you have to forgive me. I'm, for some reason, I can never sleep on Saturday nights. I'm always, like, anxious. And then my son woke up at, like, 4.40 this morning. So I was trying to, like, get him back to bed and fall asleep myself. And then really super work. So uh, forgive me if I'm a little behind today. But uh, I'm excited to be here. And it's always a good day, I think, when we're together. And, and I'm excited about Mission Gathering. So um, I like to mountain bike. Do we have any mountain bikers in here? Not really? Okay. So, who is? Oh, yeah, I bet. They're all mountain bikers who went to the bathroom. I believe that. So I have hanging in my garage a pretty expensive mountain bike, and uh, I paid a good bit of money for it a few years back. Uh, I bought it used still, and it was still a good bit of money. Um, the reason I have a bike is because, A, I like to mountain bike, and I've also experienced what not having a good mountain bike looks like. Um, I should say my joke was going to be I used to, I liked a mountain bike, at least I used to until I had kids, because, haha, kids, my goodness. My wife was going to buy me for Christmas, she's like, hey, you want, you want like a ski pass this year, because I have a snowboard also hanging in my garage, and she's like, do you want a snowboard? I said, well, that, that'd be great, I just don't know whether that's ever going to happen, so maybe something else for Christmas, but, so yeah, the kids, um, so four, about four years ago, uh, my I got with a group of friends. We went to Moab. Has anyone been to Moab? Moab is a beautiful place. If you've never been, I'd, I'd, it's just the rugged beauty is just astounding. Uh, especially sunrise, sunset. It's just it's overwhelming. Even at night, it just if you want to have an experience, just go out to Moab, get away from the lights, and it's just it's profound. So I love going to Moab, and. Uh, We'd go with this group of friends. We'd mountain bike a lot of the trails there. And one of my friends picked this trail called the Whole Enchilada Trail. So the Whole Enchilada Trail is about 35 miles. And what, what you do is you take the shuttle up to what's called Burrow Pass, and they drive you up there. It's about 45 minutes. And you just go down for 35 miles, and you end up back uh, into town. So I was... I was nervous about, you know, 35 miles of riding, and so I did, I did what I could. I watched some, some video, because everybody GoPros it, you know, uh, watched some video, um, bought some, some knee pads and shoulder pads, because falling hurts, let me tell you. Um, but, you know, I was, I mean, at some point, like, what, am, what, am, what was I going to do? Like, everybody's going up on the shuttle, like, I had to join them. So I just, I was like, all right we're doing this. So the problem is like, there's just like these bad omens from the start, right? You ever been on this trip where it's just like, just bad omens from the start? Like, first of all, I had this, um, I had a, I had a giant, that was a GT, it's a GT bike and my derailleur was pretty much shot. So I had like two gears really to work with, which, you know, I was going downhill. So I was like, you know, I can probably make it work. And then, like, we got to the, the shuttle place, and like, hey, it's, like, snowing up on the top of Burrow Pass. So I'm like, it's, in, it's, like, September. I'm like, is this a great idea? So, you know, and then I had my camelback, you know, like, 30, 35 miles of riding. You need some water. And it's just, like, it's, like, leaking all over. So, so I've got, and then to top that all off, like, we're sitting there uh, at this, this whatever, this bicyclery, with a shuttle in the middle of Moab, and, like, they can't get the van to start. 
So we're just like sitting there, and we're sitting there, and we're sitting there. And finally, uh, this old Volkswagen, this modified Volkswagen van, bus, pulls up. And it's just, it's a wild thing, because they, somehow they had like extended the thing. Um, so we all piled into this van, and it was just as crazy, because uh, my group of four, it was a group of like six other people, like Europeans, because like again, Moab is like a world-class mountain biking destination. So it's like, it's like these three guys from like Ireland, and then uh, these like three guys from like Norway or something. And these, these guys from Norway were like nuts. Like they literally went to like the most expensive bike shop and just like bought out like the, the uniform. So they had money to burn. And they just were, I remember sitting in the, because it's like this slow way up, because it's this old modified Volkswagen Beetle. And you just got like, uh, you're like in first career the whole time, then second, and you're going like 35 up the mountain. And we're trying to make conversation with these guys. We're like, who, who are these, like, who are these losers here pretty much? Uh, you know, on this ride. So about 45 minutes or an hour, we finally get to the top, and the driver is, you know, he's doing, he's, he's up and he's unloading things. He's unloading these bikes, and he gets to mine, and he's like, hey, who's got the Punisher? And no, that's not the name of my bike. What he's referring to is I have, uh, in, what's, in mountain biking terms, what's referred, or I had, What's referred to as a hardtail. So there's, there's suspension in the front, but it's solid in the back. And, um, you know, it is what it is. It's what I had. And so he was, he was implying that, you know, my bike was not ideal for what was the whole enchilada trail. It's a, it a black diamond rated trail. So it's, it's pretty serious in stretches. Um, so <laughs> I was nervous to begin with, and that kind of made me a little more nervous. And I don't do well when I'm nervous. Like, I don't do well when I'm nervous. Like, that's why I have the pads, because I'm like, I, tr- I can get over my nerves by, like, thinking, okay, I'm going to try this little thing, and if I fall, it won't hurt so bad. So that's why I wear the pads. Um, so, uh, and the trail wasn't exactly, like, easy from the start, because, again, it was, like, raining and snowing, and it's just, like, the start of the trail is just, like, this straight up, this single track, like, straight up, and it's just muddy muck. And you're just pedaling, pedaling, and finally, you know, you're like, I can't do this. And a young clip, and I started, you know, kind of up this muck of med mess, and I get to the top, and it's just, it was just like kind of all literally <laughs> downhill from there, <laughs> metaphorically and geographically. Uh, so it was just, the whole enchilada trail, honestly, I would probably do it again because it was just, it was an amazing trail, but it's like, at some point, you're riding along, like literally, like, like this is this is just like a cliff face, just like whew, thousand feet down, and and the trail like rides along there, and there's the points like, I've I've at that point it's just Lexi, so I'm like, you know, I have, I have a kid, I'm just gonna like dismount and walk this part because it's just it's just not worth it, um, and you know I was cruising along and I, occasionally I'd fall, and and one of the times I didn't realize this is I fall as I one of the times I fell is I lost like a water bottle, which would have also come in handy um, because like the, it was about 14 miles in, I was just like, I was exhausted. And uh, the whole trail, and part of this is where the hardtail comes in, the whole trail is just like, you're just like, pretty much the whole time. And by the end of the trail, I mean, there are some sections where I just like, I don't care. Like I was just, I wasn't so much, um, 
exhausted physically as I was exhausted mentally of trying to navigate <laughs> just, uh, just uh, obstacle after obstacle, just so worn out. And uh, it comes around, this trail comes around, this, it ends up in this huge canyon that leads into the Colorado River Canyon. So you're riding along this canyon, and truthfully, I was walking along this canyon mostly, and then it, it hits the Colorado River, uh, and then you kind of come down the canyon. And one of my friends was ahead, and he was going to ride back the four or five miles from the trailhead into town and save us a few miles, and, and we were going to stay back uh, where the, the trail came out on the Colorado River. And I was just like, I need water, I need water, I need water. And the reason I was so desperate for water, because about 14 miles in, we had gone down like yet another obstacle. I'd fallen yet again. And I realized that my camelback was like bone dry. And I had already lost, I'd already drank in whatever water I had. I'd lost a water bottle. And I was just sitting there, you know, splayed on the ground. And I got up. My friends were just like, who knows where down the trail, and I just sat down on my butt and was like, what am I doing here? This is ridiculous. You know, what? <laughs> questioning my entire existence. Luckily, I made it. Uh, it was an adventure, and truthfully, like with a better bike and having the experience now and the better bike that I have, I, it'd be fun to do the trail again. Uh, maybe fun's not the right word, but it'd be, good, it'd be a good challenge to do uh, the trail again, but it was just this moment of just sheer, like, what am I doing here? Like, why did I sign up for this? But the, the, the thing was, like, I had no choice. Like, I was stuck there in the middle of nowhere, like, with the choice of, like, I either got to gotta move on. Like, that's my only choice. So I, I kept going. And the thing is, <laughs> as silly as this experience was, like, we've all had those experiences in life, Right? We're just like stuck in the middle of something, and you're like, what am I doing here? But like, you want to just sit there and pout, but eventually you just gotta like move on. But you're like, what? How did I get here? Why did I sign up for this? What in the world am I doing here? <laughs> whether whether it be a job we hate, a relationship that's unhealthy, or a, a habit that's somehow turning into an addiction, you're like, what? What happened? Like, how did I get here? You know, perhaps we've stopped and said to ourselves, like, what, what in the world? How did I get here? And oftentimes as well, because of choices we make, because of friends or pressure from society, we make choices for the sake of money or status or appearance, choices that are not necessarily aligned with who we are or what we're about or what we think we should be doing. We can be wondering, like, what am I doing here? Why did I get here? What am I doing now, obviously, we can't all, like, we kind of have to, we, the, the thing is, like, we got to, like, finish where we're doing. Like, we have to finish the trail. We have to, like, somehow finish the job. We somehow finish the relationship. Some of the, sometimes those relationships can be ended, finished quicker, I guess. But, like, we, that's, that's the struggle. Like, we have to get out of it. Somehow, we can't just drop everything and move on. And it's hard because there's some times in our life where, like, how did I get here? And getting out of where we've gotten to is not an easy process. And, you know, I was thinking about, uh, did y'all any participate that 10-year that Facebook challenge that was floating around? 
I did that, but I didn't really want to see like how much hair I've lost in 10 years. I kind of skipped that. I got kind of sad, actually, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so I was thinking about like the, this Facebook 10-year challenge as people were posting you know, the picture of 2009 to, to, the, to the 19. Gosh. And I wondered like, how many people thought about like, where they've been in those 10 years. Like, like, have you ever thought, stopped to think about like, in these last 10 years, like, man, where have I been? And there's some tom- moments in our life you're like, wow, what was I doing there? <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You know, I think these sort of questions speak to our need in life for having deeper meaning or purpose or mission, to say a different word. Some will even talk about having a life mission. Even Jesus, the person we worship and we follow, had a mission in life. And it wasn't exactly what we might expect it to be. For Jesus, discovering and naming his mission, it wasn't so much of a, as a sudden epiphany or moment of insight. It was more of a, a drawn-out process, at least that's how we see it in the book of Luke. So if you remember a few weeks uh, back, we talked about the baptism of Jesus. Jesus went to John the Baptist, and he's like, hey, you know, dip me in the water, symbolizing for him, you know, a new start or a life changer, something symbolic. People disagree about why he, he wanted to be baptized, but something significant happened then. And then after that, uh, the book of Luke tells us that Jesus went out into the wilderness of the desert, and he was tempted, and he had experienced all this crazy temptation, and he was, he was tested to want to wanna give up on the new commitments he made or sell out for an easy life, and he resisted those temptations. And that's where we find Jesus today, or where we're going to find him when we read the book. He, Jesus has just gotten back from these testing grounds with a, a, a clear eyes and a full heart. Is anybody a, a Friday Night Lights fan? Okay, thank you, somebody. That's how I imagine it. So Jesus had just gotten back with a, with a clear vision of what his mission was in life. So we're going to read, uh, if you'd like to follow along, we're in the book of Luke, chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 21. Uh, I kind of cheated, so I made a marker. Um, but Luke, chapter 4, and I'm reading from the message here. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, powerful in his spirit. News that he was back spread through the countryside. He taught in their meeting places to everyone's acclaim and pleasure. He came to Nazareth where he'd been reared. As he always did on the Sabbath, he went to the meeting place. When he stood up to read, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. Sent me to announce the pardon to prisoners and the recovery of sight to the blind to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the place was on him, intent. Then he started in. You've just heard Scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. Pretty clear words there, right? The scripture kiss came true now in this place. Jesus was clear on his mission. He was clear. 
Today we're continuing our message series called New Year, New You. In the church world, this is uh, what's known as the time of Epiphany, which celebrates Jesus being made manifest to the whole world. In our modern vernacular, we often talk about an epiphany as being a sudden insight or discovery. So in this new year, when we think about who we're going to be, when we look back on our past year, when we make goals and aspirations for ourselves, there are some foundational truths I hope we can discover. And today I'd like us to discover, if you will, our mission or your mission. And here's a spoiler alert. I'm going to get to it before the end. I think our mission is Jesus' mission, and he reveals that mission here clearly. He enters their synagogue or their meeting place for religious worship, and when a section of scripture was handed to him, it's like this big long scroll would have been handed to him, he pulls it out and he read a section. He said, This here, this is about me, this is about my mission. To work for justice and to show compassion to everyone. Now, what's interesting about uh, this is that uh, it seems to imply, the story seems to imply that, that Jesus chose what passage he was going to read. Like he wasn't handed, he wasn't handed a section saying, Hey, read this, this, this verse. Uh, back before we had back before we had these things all contained like if they this the the scriptures were in these big scrolls and you'd pull it out and read just a section and he we if you can imagine Jesus pulled out this big long scroll and he found this section he said this is what I'm going to read today because this is about me he chose to read the section to emphasize what his mission was going to be about replicating the mission of the ancient prophet Isaiah, who's about helping the poor and the socially marginalized and the outcast. And for Jesus, this was a profound moment. He was in his hometown, in front of people who knew him from his childhood, who he likely went to services with every week, who thought they knew exactly who he was and what he was about. Jesus had this powerful opportunity to say right then and there, this is who I am and this is who my mission, this is what my mission is. I wonder this morning if you've had an opportunity to discover what your mission is in life. This morning I'd like you to discover that your mission, I believe, is to follow Jesus' mission. Because I believe that to follow Jesus means to accept his mission. I want to, to say it as plainly as I can, I think, this morning, that I believe that to count yourself as a follower of Jesus means to commit to his mission. His mission, as he declared it, is now our mission. And what is our, his mission? It's to show compassion and to work for justice. And to discover and to know our mission, to understand what God has given us to do, is profound for us as it was for Jesus back then. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you live, or no matter what you do, 
You can follow Jesus' mission by acting compassionately and working for good wherever you are. No matter who you are, where you live, or what you do, whether you're a janitor, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a teacher, you are fulfilling God's mission for your life by acting compassionately and seeking right for others. And that's something we can all do no matter our status, no matter our line of work, so long as we're rooted in Jesus' mission, we're on mission. Does that make sense? So long as our mission is rooted in Jesus' mission, we're on mission. It's when we choose the temptations, right? Money, fame, status, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not always that black and white, right? It's not always that dichotomous. It's, it's the temptation that Jesus was tempted with. Those temptations that Jesus faced are often the same temptations that we're faced with. To sell out for an easy life. So I'm, I'm, I drive around a lot sometimes, and I like to listen to sports radio because, like, this mindless bickering about who should be the Broncos quarterback is pretty non-stressful to me. Who should, I mean, is it going to be Case Keenum, somebody else? Who knows? But every, you know, as a, on sports radio, there's always these commercials, and there's commercials for these jobs hiring, and I hear these commercials for, you know, like, become a CDL truck driver and make $25 an hour. I'm like, man, maybe I should consider a career change. Like, wow. And I hear these jobs for construction. I'm like, you know, that wouldn't be too bad. Like, I've done that. I like working with my hands. And, like, this is the thing. Like, it's not like this career profession is so much more profound or enabled. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing like, uh, yeah, I'm a pastor. Like, there's nothing inherently more profound about what I do than what you do. Like, really, truly. There's not. The thing is, is that for me, what me accepting God's, Jesus' mission me making Jesus' mission my mission has looked like as me being a pastor. For you, whatever your whatever you do, whatever your profession, whatever you do with your day, your week, your months, your mission is incorporating Jesus' mission into what you do. And it's so tempting, though, just to sell out for the easiness. Because, man, it would be easy, to easy to punch the clock and make whatever... Man, it'd be easy. It'd be easy just to ignore the things that are happening in our world today. It'd be easy to ignore all the prejudice and the anger and the division. Like, that'd be easy. It's when we face those temptations, that's when we have this moment of decision where we have to decide for ourselves, am I going to follow Jesus' mission Or am I going to commit to something else? Whatever we do, whatever we participate in, we can be through our lives on mission with Jesus' mission by showing compassion and doing what's right. And one of the best ways to do that is by doing it together. 
Because I think that this mission of Jesus isn't just your mission, it's not just my mission, it's ours as a whole. Jesus' mission is our mission, again, not just as individuals. I think that's so often what we can, we can be tempted to do. It's like, I'm going to go be Jesus on my own. But Jesus' mission is, is our mission as a community of followers of Jesus, as, dare I say, a church. In case you haven't realized it, the name of this church is Mission Gathering. I explain it this way. At our most basic purpose, we gather for mission. Jesus' mission. And for us, it looks like these three eyes. We believe we live out Jesus' mission by inspiring hope, illuminating love, and imagining faith. So when we come together, it is my prayer that you will always be encouraged and uplifted. Sometimes, perhaps, you'll be challenged and convicted. But most of all, it is my prayer, and it's my, I believe it's the prayer of, of us, at our leadership here at Mission Gathering, that when we go from this place, we'll be prepared and equipped to live out Jesus' mission in our world. Because at Mission Gathering, we believe it's not just about reading God's word, it's about, it's about doing God's word. We believe it's not just about singing the good news. We love to sing the good news. We love to sing the good news, but it's about sharing the good news as well. And we, we believe we're asked to do more than just pray for God's will. We believe we're supposed to do God's will, to live out God's will. And our dream for Mission Gathering is that together we can do far more good than we could do on our own. I really believe that. So this is what we're about. This is our mission, and this is why we gather. We are followers of Jesus, and his mission is our mission. So today, join me on this mission. Amen. Amen.